0: John 12, 10. Yep, that's where we're going to start. John 12, 10. So today, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about cowards and beans and chapters and labels and the prettiest pit bull you've ever seen. We'll start out with the pit bull. So there was this preacher and he's walking down the road and he looks down an alley and he notices this group of boys, probably about 10 to 12 year old boys. And there's a whole group of them and they're surrounding something and he hears them and they're being kind of loud and his curiosity gets the best of them and he kind of looks and tries to see in between the boys and he sees this beautiful pit bull sitting right in the middle of them and it's got a collar and a leash and one of them's holding the leash and he's like I wonder what those boys are doing to that dog if they're hurting it or torturing it or something i better go step in so he goes down the alley and he says hey what are you boys doing to that dog one of the boys looks at him and he said well we're having a contest this is the best dog we've ever seen this is our dream dog And so the contest is, whoever can tell the best lie gets to have the dog. And he's like, who can tell the best lie? So y'all are all standing around practicing lying. Don't you know lying's a sin? And then here goes the preacher, like preachers do, and gives him a 10-minute sermon, quoted three scriptures on how lying's wrong and it's a sin and it's equal to all these other sins that he names off with them. And he says, boys, he's getting hot starting to spit a little bit, has to wipe his spit a little bit in his little 10 minute sermon and telling them how wrong it is that they're standing around lying and that they're making up all this stuff and none of it's true. And he said, when I was a boy, when I was your age, I would never tell a lie because I knew I could, that God didn't like lies. And he said, I've never told a lie when I was a boy and I've never told a lie now. And he gets done with his little speech. He's calming back down a little bit Johnny looks around the circle, reaches over and grabs the leash and says, Fine, you win. And hands the leash to the preacher. He told the best lie. We've all lied, right? We've all done things that we're not proud of. I have. All have sinned, all have messed up. Things have been done to all of us that we probably wouldn't pick. We Whether we've done it to ourselves or other people have done it to us, it probably both ways. It's happened to all of us. So get your dream dog out of it, right? <laughs> get your dream house out of it. Anybody got your dream house? Dream car? I was thinking about that. We talk about your dream job, your dream house, dream car, dream girl. That's the only one I've got. I got my dream girl. That was it. Not the house or the car or any of that yet. But you know what I've never heard somebody talk about? Their dream cat. Never heard that one. That ain't my dream. No cats made my dreams. (laughs) Okay, I'm getting off track. We've all messed up. Call it what it is. So I want to take just a few minutes and talk about chapters. Because I think it's gonna help you. It helps me. If you'll look at your life and think about your life like chapters of a book, there are different chapters some chapters may not have been what you wanted. Some chapters may have been scary or painful. Some chapters may have been great. But I want to talk about chapters. I want to think about chapters for a few minutes and stories and labels and names. And we're going to start out by looking at a chapter in Lazarus' life. Lazarus was Jesus' friend. We all know the story of Lazarus. He died, and his sisters, he got real sick, and his sisters wanted Jesus to come and pray for him and heal him. And Jesus, on purpose, waited around, kind of lollygagged a little bit, and let him die, and then showed up and rose him from the dead. Rose him, raised him, riseth, I don't know. He came back alive, and he walked out of the tomb. So look at this scripture in John chapter 12, verse 10. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. You know, they wanted to kill him. The same people that killed Jesus and crucified Jesus, they wanted to kill Lazarus too. Why? Verse 11 tells us why. Because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Because a whole bunch of Jews were getting converted. A whole bunch of people were starting to believe in Jesus because of him. Was he this, some great evangelist? I don't know. Was he a good speaker? We don't know. Did he perform any miracles? Not that we know of. But a whole bunch of people were believing on Jesus because of his story. See, they wanted to kill Lazarus. Why? Because his story of death was such a testimony that it was causing many to believe. What is your story causing people to believe? Your story. Your life, the things that you've been through, you've probably been through some death you've probably been through some hurt you might have been through some abuse you might have been through some pain, you might have been through some hard times what is your story causing the people around you to believe to believe in, to trust in, we talked last week about trust what is your story causing people to have faith in Lazarus's story was, that's about as bad as it gets. You died. Any of y'all died? Nope. Then it hadn't got as bad as it did for him. Actually, the bad part for old Lazarus was, since he was dead for three days, probably having to come back. Are you kidding me? I gotta go back. Lazarus. I wonder if Jesus probably had to say it three or four times. He was like, Dragging his fingernails not, might have been the bad part. But anyways, you're not dead. What is your story causing people to believe in? What story are you telling? You know you can get stuck on a chapter. I know a lot of people. There are a lot of people sitting in this room. I'm going to be careful who I make eye contact with right now. I'm looking all around. But some of you got stuck on a chapter And you stopped writing. Your story ended on a chapter and and it was never meant to be your end. It was supposed to be a chapter in the story of your life that God was going to use. But you got stuck on a chapter. And your chapter happened back in 1982. My mom had a good chapter in 1982, come to think of it. That was the year I was born. Her blessing chapter, we'll call it, of the life of Susan. (laughs) No. I'm kidding. Not really. No. (laughs) You can't get hung up on a chapter, you can't stop on a chapter. Well, you can, but you'll never walk out the purpose or the story that God has for your life. It won't be as great as it could be, and the tragedy is you won't be the blessing to the people around you. See, you won't have the courage and the hope and the belief and the faith that your story could cause the people in your world to have if you get stuck Don't get stuck. Remember in Revelation where it says they overcame by the blood of the lamb. That's Jesus' blood that washed away our sins and gave us relationship. By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony or of their God's story. Their testimony is me looking at something I've been through. It's me looking at some pain. It's me looking at something in my life and pointing out how God's hand used it. To get me to where I am now. To grow me, to bless me, to teach me. to It's me pointing at something in my life and telling a God story. See, I can choose to look at something and tell a story of pain or tell a story of God. Same situation, same story. I can tell a story of hurt or I can tell a story of victory because I see God in it. Telling their God story, that's how we overcome. The story you choose to tell can cause people to believe, to have courage, to have hope. It can cause people to trust because they see what God did for you. Be careful what name or label you let stick. A lot of people. Will try to put names on you. They'll try to label you. They'll try to label your chapters. Ultimately give you a name, or they'll label your book. And it's not necessarily what God labeled your book or what God calls you. So don't let it stick. Look at First Chronicles 4:9. Excuse me. First Chronicles. Jesse always corrects me on how I say that. Because I always want to say Chronicles. And she says Chronicles. Chapter 4, verse 9. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow or in pain. His name's Jabez. Because I bear him with sorrow or in pain. He's a pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. And enlarge my coast. And that thine hand might be with me. And that thou wouldest keep me from evil. That it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Let me read you how the Message Bible words those two verses. And then we're going to talk about it for a minute. Message Bible words it like this. Jabez was a better man than his brothers. A man of honor. His mother had named him Jabez. Oh, the pain. Saying, a painful birth. I bore him in great pain. Jabez means, O the pain. And Jabez prayed to the God of Israel. Bless me. Oh, bless me. Give me land. Large tracts of land. Enlarge my territory. I don't want to live small. And provide your personal protection. Don't let evil hurt me. And God gave him what he asked. Pain is not your end. You will go through pain, physical pain, mental pain, emotional pain. The pain of abuse, the pain of loss, the... All kinds of pain. You will go through pain. You'll have trouble and tribulation, but pain is not your end. Pain is not the end of your story. It doesn't have to be. It can be if you allow that label to stick. See, Jabez comes at an interesting time in the scripture or an interesting text Because the writer of 1st and 2nd Chronicles is Ezra, and he's doing just that. He's chronicling the children of Israel. And so the first nine chapters of 1st Chronicles, I don't know if you've ever read it or if you've gotten on one of those Bible plans, like read the Bible in a year. This is one of those ones when it hits 1st Chronicles, it's like, oh, sweet Jesus, help me because so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. It's just a bunch of hard-to-pronounce names, and it's begat, 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 begat. This one of those ones you want to break up a little bit and maybe read a couple of verses in John to get a little Jesus in there or something. Because it's just begat, 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 and he's just telling the genealogy of Israel. But right in the middle of it, chapter 4 verse 9 and so and so begat so and so begat so and so begat so and so and then right in the middle he said and so and so begat Jabez let me take a little break right here in scripture and tell y'all a little bit about Jabez he's special enough that I'm gonna take a couple of verses to talk about him I know I'm in the middle of something I'm supposed to be recording the genealogy but I'm gonna tell you a little bit about Jabez He's that special. Let me tell you a little. And then you go read it. Go look at it. As soon as he gets done with that verse 10 that we just read. And she the brother of, I can't even pronounce half these names. Begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so. And there he goes right back into it. Begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so. But he needed to tell us a little bit about Jabez. Why? Was he special? Yep. He didn't settle for pain. He didn't settle for sorrow. Did you know you can choose your name? You get to choose your name. You don't have to take a name that somebody else put on you. You can listen to God and hear the name that he calls you. You can choose what you're called. See, in those two verses we just read, God called him honorable. God said that he was honorable, but his mother called him pain. She called him Jabez. That means, oh, the pain. You're a pain, dude. His mother cursed him. His mother called him pain, and to us, you know, nowadays in the times that we live, people name kids all kind of names because they sound cool or they're trendy or they're whatever. But back then, there was great emphasis put on a name. A name was like a prophecy about your future. Your name was who you are. Your name spoke great things about you that the name was so important. And she said in his name that he was pain. See, she named his future based off of her past. I've had people try to do that to me. They've tried to name my future based off of their past. See, they've tried to name my destiny based off of their pain of what they're going through and if you're not careful and if you take on those names they will limit you and then you will name your children based off of your pain and they'll name their children based off of their pain Jabez said no God I'm going to need you to bless me because my mom cursed me And if you know anything about Scripture and about the Israelites and and if you've studied or read the Old Testament, you would know that moms don't name the kids. This was very odd that his mother named him. Because in their custom, the father would name the child. So the fact that it says his mother named him tells us that his father wasn't in the picture. Was he dead? Did he run away? Did he What we don't know, like we don't, We get two verses. But the fact that his mother named him in their culture tells us that his father wasn't there or either wasn't the leader or the man that he was supposed to be and didn't stick up for his son. No, honey, we're not going to name him that. I know you're in a lot of pain. I know this was the worst thing that ever happened. So we're going to take a few days. We're going to take... No. She named him Oh, the pain. With a sorrow, she named his future based on her past. She named his destiny based on her history. She declared a lie. People will name you. You know how people come up to me when I was like about to get married. And say all kind of stuff like, Oh, I hope you're ready. Welcome to the ball and chain. (laughs) Your life's over. You're never gonna have fun again. You know, you hear people say stuff like that. Well that's not my label. I like being married. Been great so far. Yeah, people come up to you and tell you, Well, now you're gonna have kids, your life's about to change forever. It is going to change. Why has it got to be bad? In fact, don't label my future based off of your pain. I'm sorry that your kids are idiots and don't sleep. My three boys have been the joy of my life. Have there been sacrifices? Of course. Did I miss out on some sleep? Yeah. Was it worth it? Yeah. Do I label being a father based out of pain? Do I allow someone else to label that parenthood or being a husband or based off of their bad experience? Because if I do, it'll mess up my marriage. It'll mess up the way I father my children. It can bring resentment. If I allow that label to stick, then there will be pain. Hope you're ready. About, where's Promise? Nursery. She turned 30 today, right? Didn't she? I know today's her birthday. I think she turned 30. When I was about to turn 30, a whole bunch of people decided to help me out, give me advice. Oh, it's all downhill from here. When you turn 30, you're going to start going down. It's going to start declining. Your health will start to go away. You better. I hope you've had fun playing church, softball, whatever you wanted to do, because it's over now. 37 the 30s have been the best years of my life I promise you that and the 40s are going to be the best years of my life when they roll around and then the 50s and then the 60s I won't take that label based on someone else's pain because that's not my name That's not what my dad named me. People will try to label you based on their pain. And sometimes they think they're protecting you. Like your own family members will do this. Thinking that they're protecting you. Like, no, I just don't want you to get your hopes up want you to remember reality don't start thinking don't start dreaming bigger than you are they think they're protecting you i'm just being real i love it when people say that well are you usually not i'm about to tell you the truth oh that because most have you been lying to me up to this point get that education you're not that smart no one in our family goes to college well you can't get in shape it's in your genes embrace being fat I mean there's all different things that you may have heard or maybe you haven't I've pretty much heard all these. And a preacher told me, I heard a preacher say this week that if you want to be a good pastor, you should always preach to your weakness because then you'll never run out of material. Everyone in your family's an addict. You better just deal with it. No. You don't have to take that name or that label. You got to say, no, that's not my name. Remember we talked about a few weeks ago about hearing the voice of God and how when you learn to hear His voice that His sheep won't follow a stranger? Like sky inside the door and if, if a stranger's beating on the front door saying, "It's me, your dad." He's not gonna open the door because he knows the voice of his father. Though so all he'll say is, "That's not my dad. Now, maybe it's my dad and open the door. Now we do that a lot. Maybe that's my dad, and we open it up and we open ourselves up to all kind of harm. That's not my name. My dad gave me my name. God, I need you to bless me because I've been through some pain. God, I need you to bless me and enlarge my territory, Jabez said. I need you to bless me so that I can live a big life. The people have tried to curse me. My own family members have put things on me, and I know you've got more than that for me. God, I need you to bless me. Enlarge my territory, he said. No, that's not my name. You choose your name. He said, God, my mom cursed me and my dad wasn't there. So I need you to bless me. I need you to give me more land, make my world bigger. It makes me think of Genesis 12. Um, God said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and you will be a blessing. I want to be a blessing, not just be blessed. You know, there's a difference. If you're walking in purpose, then you will be a blessing to others, not just be blessed. Blessed do blessings flow to you or through you? When God blesses you, do you bless the people around you? Stop living small lives. You choose that. You choose to live small or big. You're called to live big. You're called to live a big, full, rich life. So don't live small. Remember the 12 spies that were sent in to spy out the land and they came back out and 10 of them said, we're grasshoppers in their sight. They're huge. We can't win this fight. We can't take the land. We can't have what God said we could have. We're not who God said we are. We can't do it. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb said, we can do it. We are well able. We can take the land. And guess what? Ten of them didn't enter into the land, and two of them did. Ten of them chose to be small and live small, and in their minds they were small. Go read the story. It tells you that in their mind they were as grasshoppers, and so they were. But in Joshua and Caleb's mind, they said, no, I'm not a grasshopper. Those people can't beat me. I don't care what the circumstances say. I trust God. I believe God. And I will live a big life. And I will walk in what he has for me to walk in. And so they did. They didn't choose to live small. Those ten did. Henry Ford said, If I would have asked people what they wanted or needed, they would have said faster horses more efficient horses or buggies you don't know who henry ford is he made up the ford car vehicles he made up the car but his point was if i would have asked the masses or the crowd what do you want we would have said just more efficient what we have give me a faster horse that eats less feed small thinking I think sometimes we pray for faster horses and God's like I got so much more for you we pray that God will just heal our pain and God's like it's so much bigger than your pain to see how I'm going to use that you got to get your head out of the sand and back up a little bit get out of it stop taking those labels stop letting that chapter be named by somebody else I got more for you than that pain stop living small live big pray big give big Like, live big, amen. Pray big, amen. Give big. Crickets. (laughs) Be the bigger person. You know those small people? I know you've heard people say, just be the bigger person. What does that mean? Be the mature one. Be the one to forgive. Be the one, as Christians, shining light we're supposed to always be the bigger person. So tomorrow in traffic, be the bigger person. See, there they go. It was that given comment I just made. <laughs> be the bigger person. Pray big. Love big. Honor big. You know, if honor's in you, it will come out. Be the bigger person tomorrow in traffic. Anger is just who I am. It runs in my family. You can take that label if you want to. Or you can choose a new name. Look at 2 Samuel 23. Now we're not going to spend much time on this story because we've looked at it before. But I had to bring it up. One of David's mighty men, and David had some mighty men. David had some bad boys. I'm talking like real live living Avengers. These dudes were awesome. And this is one of David's mighty men. We're just going to read a couple of verses and talk about Shama. And after him was Shama. You know what Shama means? Remember, I already told you how important a name was back in these days. Here's what his name means. Fear, runaway, waste, trash, garbage. This is what he was called. This was the label that was put on him by his father. Ain't nothing but trash, garbage, fear, runaway, pain. That's horrible. Guess what? Some of our fathers, some of our mothers have put those names on us. There ain't nothing but white trash. That's all you'll ever be. That's what was put on Shama. After him was Shama, the son of Agi. So his daddy, the one that gave him that name, Fear, runaway, trash. Oh, a Why would someone name a child something like that? Why would somebody put a label like that on their child? Guess what his name meant? What his father put on him. Here's his example. A means one who runs. A fugitive or a coward. A person who lacks courage in facing danger, difficulty, opposition or pain one who runs a coward a fugitive so he named his son fear he named his son run away it's usually out of their pain that they try to put pain on you and it's out of your pain that you try to put pain on somebody else And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop. There was a piece of ground full of lentils or beans. It was cheap. Lentils were like the cheapest thing you could get then. It was beans, um, but it was considered the poor man's meat. So back then, if you couldn't like, like you couldn't afford meat, the rich people and the kings and like David would have been eating meat at that time, but all the poor people, they'd have to they would eat their protein from these lentils, from these beans. It was the poor man's meat to the Jews. It's considered by the Jews the food of mourning or death. Surrounded by cheap death, he was standing in the middle of a field full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it. And he slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. King David says, you are a mighty man. In fact, you're one of my top three. You're one of the best I got. And I picture that man standing in the middle of that field and all the Philistines were coming and everybody left him. Everybody ran away. And his name and the labels that were put on him said, Run, fear, you're trash, you're crap, run away, be afraid, be very afraid. And at some point he made a decision, that's not me. That's not my name. And I'm not going to run. David said, you're one of the three mighty men. You're one of the best I got. You're powerful. His king, David, a type of Christ. And he stood in that field. And he killed Philistines. And he won. Some of you had had... You've had some horrible examples. And you've been labeled failure. You've been labeled a cheater, broken, unclean. But the king sees the real you. He sees the warrior inside of you. He calls you mighty. He calls you chosen. He calls you loved. He calls you a son or a daughter. He calls you a victorious world changer. Y'all know what the Christian journey is? It's my sister. (laughs) It's learning who God really is. And who you really are. learning who God is and seeing him for who he really is and letting him tell you who you are and who you were created to be. You're not who you thought you were. See, that's not your story. It was just a chapter. I know some hard things happened. I know there was some hurt. There was some pain, but it was just a chapter. I know you made some mistakes and you fell down and you sinned, but it was a chapter. move on. I'm gonna close in Romans 8 Romans 8:28. 8, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Don't set your mind on the problems. In whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? Paul's saying when bad things happen, and when things we don't understand happen, what should we say? Here it is. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He's got good plans for you. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. It's like your big brother sticking up for you. He knows how it feels. He knows what it feels like to be accused of things. He knows what it feels like to have labels put on him. He knows what it feels like to be called something he wasn't. To be betrayed and hurt and abused and beaten, he, he knows. And he goes to God on your behalf. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution or famine or nakedness, or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors. It doesn't matter what we go through. It doesn't matter how many chapters of pain were written. We're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We are victorious. How? Through Him. Through Him. Like a filter. You know, they make these filter straws that you can drink out of a mud puddle and it'll clean the water and make it good to drink. Through him, when the water comes through the filter, it's life, it's hydrating. through him that loved us when the bad things go through him they're not bad anymore they're life to the people around us because we see the strength it becomes our God story let me finish reading these two verses for I am persuaded I'm convinced Paul said Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Chapters of your life. You know how when you're reading a book and you kind of get to the end of a next chapter, I don't know if you do this, but when I'm reading a book and I get to the end of a chapter, or like if we're at warrior training and we go through different books, so you kind of get to the end of a chapter, you always want to look ahead and see what the name of the next chapter is. You can kind of start getting excited for what's coming or not. Oh, great. Depending on what kind of book you're reading, I guess. But you look ahead for the name of the next chapter. Like, is this gonna be a good one? Is it gonna be a bad one? But don't be afraid to start a new chapter. It's okay if it looks different than the last chapter. In fact, that's a good thing. I just saying a lot at the end of worship about new wine. Don't be scared if it looks different. I'm going to give you four things that help me and they'll help you and we're done first one don't judge your whole story by one chapter it's just a chapter good or bad don't get stuck on it don't judge your whole story by one chapter it's like ingredients I love biscuits But I don't love drinking a cup of oil and eating a handful of flour and washing it down with the raw egg. See, the ingredients separate, I don't love. But if you mix it all together and make some dough, that might not even be the right ingredients for biscuits. I'm not real sure, but you get the point. (laughs) You pop open the can as the ingredients. Just kidding. But... You don't love the individual ingredients. I love cake, but I don't like all the ingredients separate. Right, you may not love that chapter, but if you don't get stuck on it and keep moving on, then God will mix it all together and bake it into something good, something beautiful, a wonderful, delicious cake. But you can't get stuck on the oil chapter, the oil ingredient, and just stay there forever. Otherwise, you're going to be all oily and greasy and one of those people. I'm just, I don't know. Don't get stuck on a chapter. Hear people say, That's a story of my life. Of course, I broke down. Story of my life. No, it's not. It's a chapter. You may have had multiple chapters that were like that. (laughs) Hear people say, I'm a day late and a dollar short. Day late and a dollar short. I got more month than money. It's a chapter. Don't allow that to become your identity. Don't allow that to be your name and who you are and label you. and Then you start to label your children with that. Because out of your pain and your shortcomings, now you're trying to limit the people around you. Rather than causing them to live a big life, you start trying to keep everybody around you down on your level. Because you're not living as big as you're supposed to live. So now you don't want anybody else to live as big as they're supposed to live. A big life is a generous life. If I'm living as big as I can, it's going to encourage everyone around me to live bigger. But if I'm living small, I want to keep everybody else around me small so I don't feel bad about how small I am. the story of my life no it's not you can get stuck on a chapter and sabotage your whole story see I don't know your whole story but I do know that God has called you to write a story of victory I know that I may not know your whole story some of you in the room I do know maybe most of your story Some of you I don't, but I do know God called you to write a story of victory no matter what your story is up until this point. He can use it. He can work all things together for your good. So that's one. Don't judge your whole story by one chapter. Number two, remember the worst chapters make the best stories. I mean, sometimes in a movie or a book or a game, sometimes the biggest giant, the worst enemy, the biggest thing to overcome, that's what makes it interesting. Man, that's what makes it so amazing. That's what makes it so good. How good is a hero if he's got nothing to fight? Pray, God, give me strength. God, I want to be a hero. God, I want to save my world. You're going to need some villains. You're going to need some pain. You're going to need some storms. You're going to need some things to overcome. I want to be great. Ah, then you will need great pain. What? I expect great things, then expect great battles. I expect courage. Paul said in Philippians, I expect courage. He's telling the Philippians, I expect great courage. You don't expect great courage unless you expect to need great courage. It's okay. You've had some bad chapters. That's okay. Some other authors jumped in and wrote some chapters in your book. That's okay. They can use it. Man, you've really messed up and you made some bad decisions and, and you made some bad chapters. That's okay. Move on. Start a new chapter. Man, start telling and writing the story of victory. Number three. You may not get to choose the chapters, but you determine the outcome of the story. You may not get to choose the chapters, but you determine the outcome of the story. You get to choose. You can't change the past. But what you choose today can change the future. Stuff happens. There are different authors. I mean, when you were born, you didn't get to write those first few chapters. Somebody else wrote it for you for a lot of years. And maybe it was good and maybe it was bad. There are different authors and some chapters suck. And I'm sorry. But the boundaries that you set up today. The steps that you choose to take will greatly influence your next chapter. The reps you do today will determine the muscles in your future. And there are some things in your life. Like. Like. Remember when God created all the animals in Genesis and then he told Adam, name them, label them, speak, I've put my breath in you, you name them, call them what they will be. There are some things in your life that you did not create, but you get to name them. There are people that come into your life and you have the power to call them what God calls them. See, so if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have the creative breath. And just like God told Adam to create and God told Adam, go ahead and name those animals, you have people and things in your life that you get to name. If you listen to His voice, Just like you can put bad labels on your kids and you can put bad labels on people and you can call them pain, you can also call them what God calls them. You can bless them with the labels and the names that you put on them. You can encourage them to live big and that they're more. can be a stumbling block or a stepping stone. You can get bitter or better. Here's some advice. Don't name it while you're going through it. Don't name that chapter. When you're in the middle of it, don't name it. Jabez's mama named him when she was having him, and it was horrible, and it was the worst labor ever and it was pain and so she named him pain just don't name it when you're going through it wait don't tell the story this is what some of you are doing this is what God wants you to do just wait stop don't name it yet until you can look at it and see purpose that's when it's time to tell the story. If you look at it and all you see is pain, it ain't time to tell the story yet. Find some healing. Work on it. Find somebody you could talk to about it. Like, I'm not saying just forget about it and push it back. Let's find some healing and move on. But if you're looking at it and all you see is pain, it's not time to tell the story. Don't name it when you're going through it. might call it curse right now if you wait a little bit you might look at it and call it blessing the meaning of the word label is a slip of paper a cloth or other material marked or inscribed for attachment to something to indicate its manufacturer like who made it its nature ownership or destination What labels do you have on you? It should tell who made you, your nature, like who you are, and your destination, where you're headed. The label can also tell who owns you. When I look at the labels, I can tell who owns you and where you're headed. Remember Shama that we talked about? And how bad his name was. And it means trash and fear and run away, waste. Have you ever heard there's a name of God? Jehovah Shama. That's the same name. Shama. Jehovah Shama means Jehovah or God is there. Here in the midst. God is there. Shama we just saw means fear, run away waste or trash by putting God first it changes the meaning Shama's still there your pain's still there, I'm not taking away from that right, you are who you were you went through those things it's real, you don't pretend like it didn't happen, but by putting God first, it changes the story It changes the meaning of the name. The tag has been changed. Fourth one. Last one. The end of the chapter is not the end of the story. It's not over. Your book's not finished. You're still breathing. Just because a chapter of your life's over doesn't mean the story's over just because the job's over or the marriage is over or the you can fill in the blank but your story's not over just because one chapter's over remember jesus went to the cross and he died and at the end he said it is finished the story of god and humanity wasn't over fact it was maybe just getting started depending on how you want to look at it what was he say that chapter was finished his coming and walking on the earth and and paying for our sins with his blood and making a way that we could be in relationship and we could receive the holy spirit that was over that chapter was over it is finished this chapter's over let's start writing a new one dad what's the next chapter the end of the chapter is not the end of the story Jesus could see his father's plan. Sometimes we don't want to move on from a chapter because it feels like loss. We're losing things, or it hurts. It's painful sometimes. When God tells us to leave something behind, it hurts. Did anybody. Gave up some stuff to be where you are today. I have. Quite sure a lot of you have. I've given up a lot to be who I am, to be where I am. I've given up countless hours in time to be the husband I am, to be the father I am, to be pastor of this church, to be, I've given up. Lot of time. I've given up a lot of money. I've given up comfort. I wasn't comfortable to stand up here and preach at first. Now it's kind of fun. So I get to say whatever and nobody can interrupt me. <laughs> but it wasn't comfortable. And a lot of times it's still not comfortable. Because some of y'all come to me with some problems, and man, I don't want to call you out, but (laughs) sometimes it's not comfortable. Had to give up some stuff, lay down some dreams and some other things. And y'all know, most of you know, but like, I love football. And I always wanted to play football and never really got a chance. And so when we heard about this open tryout for a semi-pro team in Atlanta, for some dumb reason, me and Nate went and tried out. And they came up and gave me a slip and invited me to spring training out of like 300 and something people. We went in a weight room, we went out on the field and ran drills, did all this stuff, and, and they invited me back to spring training now I was taken over as pastor from the church I was working 50 to 60 hour weeks at the mattress factory in East Point I had a wife and my kids and now I'm trying to play football on a semi-pro team with a bunch of grown men that didn't quite make it but still thought they could make it pro if they could just play somewhere else and get noticed by a scout or something I was the only person on the team or at the spring training that didn't play college ball. I didn't even play high school ball. I only played one year of rec, which I got made fun of for by the other players. But I wanted it really bad and I tried really hard because it was a dream it was something I wanted to do was to play football and I made it all through spring training they made all the cuts and long story short the last day was a Sunday and they had three more cuts to make it was like a, I think a 50 man roster and there was 53 left on the team and that Sunday the very last day the coach called me in the office and told me um Set me down and told me, look, you've got more heart and probably more talent than any of the guys that I'm keeping on this team, but you've got no experience. He said, they've all got game film. I can watch what they're going to do in a game situation and I have no idea on you. When you played when you were nine years old in Lithia Springs on a rec team, I, there's I got... so he wanted me to stay and be a part of the practice squad and if there was an injury I would get pulled up onto the team and, and all this stuff and I went home like trying to figure out what to do and talk to Jesse about it and stuff and I went back up there to a practice that week after I was going after work and practicing at night and then coming home and sleeping a little bit and going back to work and I went back in and talked to the coach and said thank you for the opportunity but I can't do it because I was trying to I knew that God was calling me to take over as pastor of the church and I just there was no way. It would require so much time for me to be a part of that. So I just went and thanked him and said I I can't just come and practice and work my way up onto the team and get more experience. That was a dream that I lost do I regret losing it no not at all I've had to lose a lot of relationships to be who I am and where I am I wish everyone I loved was with me but they're not why they refuse to see me for who I am they call me pain because of a pain that they were going through they tried to put it on me and that's not who I am and that's not who I will be And so just like Jabez, I call on my God and say, help me be a big person. Increase my territory. Increase my influence, God. I want to be small. I want to live big. I won't take false labels. And I don't want you to either. We've all gone through pain. We've all walked through hard things. Let it be a chapter. Let's start a new chapter. Let's pray. Hey, Dad. Bless us. Thank you for moving. Thank you for touching our hearts. Thank you for the communion, the fellowship with our souls. Thank you that our pain is not who we are. That hurt and labels and abuse and misunderstandings and none of that defines us. In fact, the only way that stuff can limit us is if we let it We don't find healing. So God, heal the hurts. Heal the wounds. Help us to find healing. And remind us of who we are. Remind us of the conversation that you had with us back in heaven before you put us in our mom's womb. purpose that we discussed (laughs) remind us every day and as soon as we can handle it give it to us and then as soon as we can handle more give us more we're not going to get stuck on a chapter we're ready to write a new chapter See, we're going to write a story of victory because you give us the strength and the confidence, Dad. You've called us your sons and daughters. So thank you for purpose. Thank you for life and breath and that as long as we're breathing, we got a chance to keep writing. Help us to live big, to always be the bigger person, We love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.